0: what's up everyone welcome back to off the chain the backbone for storytelling across builders creators and collectors within web3 each episode we dive into how these technologists use the power of blockchain to build businesses and foster creativity today we've got the one and only dave krugman a new york-based photographer writer and crypto artist as well as the founder of all ships a creative community dedicated to the idea that a rising tide raises all ships. He is deeply passionate about the interconnected ecosystems of Web3 and how these systems hold the potential to unlock endless possibilities for people who are inclined towards creative careers. What's even more special is Dave's ability to foster a community, a word we hear 24-7, but something Dave has truly taken ownership of through his many endeavors and incredible career. No matter what your creative outlet is, this episode is a must-listen. Let's get to it. Dave, welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here.
1: Of course. How you doing, dude? I'm doing really well. It's been a fun, fun week. A lot going on. Uh, a lot of projects that I put out are, are doing well, so I'm, I'm happy.
0: I love it. You were, uh, you were just speaking at Christie's in New York. You were at ETH Barcelona. You've got a lot going on.
1: Yeah, it's been, it's been a whirlwind of a year um, and I'm finally at a spot where I can like hopefully take a little bit of a break, especially from the travel stuff. But um, yeah, it's it's an exciting time to be an artist for sure.
0: I love it, dude. You know, what's so great is uh, we've known each other for like seven or eight years at this point and we've gone through a bunch of different cycles around just like the world of content creation and photography, social media. And so what I really want to dive into today is like that whole transition and what we've seen from like the early days of instagram all the way to what we're seeing right now in like web threes and nfts and so excited just to like dive into all of it with you
1: yeah me too man and it's you know the interesting thing about all that is this this technology these technology cycles that we've been a part of they're all part of the same long arc um and it's i think this kind of long arc towards a more decentralized society and it's it's really exciting to be able to witness evolution of of these different
0: technology layers in real time i I love it and so dave i i previously recorded my own intro for you but as we jump into it right now i want to know from the man himself who is dave krugman
1: (laughs) so yeah i'm dave i am a, a crypto artist i'm a photographer i'm a writer i'm the founder of all ships a creative community and I'm based in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And I'm really obsessed with street photography, I'm obsessed with New York City, and I'm obsessed with building communities that, that can help encourage artists to pursue a creative life. Uh, and that's, that's pretty much the, uh, the nuts and bolts of, of what's, what's under the hood.
0: We're gonna go into all of it, and what I wanna do is really start a bit in the background. And so your recognition as a photographer exploded early on in the Instagram days. And so we're probably talking seven years ago at this point, And this is when photographers really started to make a name for themselves. You started hearing the word like content creator. And this is a bit of a loaded question. But as a photographer, can you discuss the mindset of being a photographer in like the early days of Instagram versus being a photographer now and like how the game has changed?
1: Yeah, that's that's a good place to start. So. The thing you have to realize about Instagram, it, it was a very important moment, um, and it has to do with the collision of a couple of different technologies. Um, namely, um, the fact that the iPhone came out, it, it basically put a camera in everybody's pocket. And not only did we all, you know, everybody have a camera by default all of a sudden, it also came with another, uh, you know, evolution in technology, which is the ability to mass distribute information and be self published. Uh, and that's kind of what happened. Like, basically, you could look at the you could look at the you know advent of Instagram uh, as kind of like the printing press for uh, visual visual work, visual content. So, what the printing press did, you know, in the early days of of uh, you know literature or whatever whatever you want to call it, is it it helped to democratize literacy. You know, it made books more abundant, and it made communi- communicating ideas and and being and publishing ideas um, a lot more fluid. And it, it ushered in, you know, so much of the modern world. So in 2011, 2010, when Instagram came out, it kind of had the same effect, but for visual literacy. So we've lived over 10 years now in this world of, of a society which is extremely visually literate in a way that uh, was much harder before. And what Instagram did was it gave the tools of publishing to everybody for free, you know? So that's a, a, a vastly important uh, shift in the way that photographers are able to communicate with their
0: audiences and their communities. And so in terms of how the game has changed now, you've got a bunch of different tools. What are the differences that you're seeing as a photographer from the Instagram days to now with Web3 and owning digital assets and owning a digital identity?
1: Yeah, so that's that's a good question. Um, So just back to this idea of the the differences. So in early 2011, when we were starting to get interested in Instagram, like everyone I knew hated it and thought it was going to destroy photography. And oh, if everyone's a photographer, no one's a photographer. And a few of us kind of realized that that was a ridiculous thing to say. And actually, you know, if you can be early to uh, a profoundly paradigm shifting technology, you have a a huge first mover advantage uh, in in building your network within those technologies. So, you know, the play in 2011 on Instagram was like just amass as much attention as possible and then try to convert that attention into into USD through relatively inefficient (laughs) conversions with advertising agencies and brands. Um, So, you know, Instagram decentralized traditional media. Um, And so that was a huge, huge important step towards the world that we live in today. So the world that we live in today is like is like being early to instagram in 2011 and guess what once again everyone you know a lot of people hate it and think it's ridiculous and think it's a fad and i'm talking about nfts and web3 now now the, the people that are betting big on it betting early are you know building empires that will continue to grow as this technology reaches more and more mass adoption so that's kind of the difference now is that Instagram is becoming, you know, more of my marketing layer and my Web three presence, my wallet, my NFTs, my collection. That's becoming my actual digital identity. Having a digital identity in the era of Web two is you're renting your identity from uh, centralized companies that can control, you know, who you reach and how you reach them. Um, the, the ethos and, and kind of um, guiding the guiding light of, of crypto and Web3 in, in the sense that we when we speak about it is to be more sovereign and to build on land you own. And, you know, nobody can take away your wallet. You know, if you if you lose your seed phrase to your wallet, like not even you can access your wallet anymore. It's uh, an extremely robust and um, unfakeable identity layer that I, I think kind of exists in this, in this substrate below social media in, in, a, in a way that it's like more of my core identity now. And, and it's actually helped improve my experience with social media because the pressure uh, that I feel to constantly amass attention and keep an audience engaged is, has been greatly reduced by the fact that I have this other deeper outlet and a, a more like legacy way to preserve the work that I'm making in this world.
0: Okay, so this is really interesting, and I want to dive into social media because in a recent article, you said, the thing I love most about NFTs is that they allow me to step back from the circadian cycles of content creation that social media platforms demand from creators. On social media, you are feeding an algorithm that is never satisfied. The more you grow, the more it demands, as it constantly optimizes your advertising interests at the expense of our mental health. It is a system of diminishing returns. Did I say you that down? Still,
1: <laughs> bars. It actually
0: sounds it's, that's bars. Max, that is bars. Um, I, I want to dive into that. It's you still need social media as a distribution channel to get eyes on your work. So What is the difference? Like, how do NFTs change that cycle? Because if you don't have distribution, you're not selling anything, whether it's a print, whether it's a service or whether it's a digital asset.
1: Yeah. Okay. So that's a great question. Um, I think what it has done is it has deprioritized my need and, uh, you know, my need to constantly fight that battle for attention. So what NFTs do is it's a token. It's an asset that allows me to you know, distribute these, these kind of like shares to my communities. And it aligns the incentives of my communities in a way that makes it much more efficient for me to you know, extract the value that, that communities inherently have in a way that's directly peer to peer, as opposed to like this long chain of um, inefficiencies that we, we're used to dealing with making deals on social media. So if you buy one of my NFTs, like, I guess my my point here is like you can do more with a thousand people that are invested in your tokens, your NFTs, than you can do with a million followers that are only giving you their attention on Instagram.
0: Yeah. And giving you and giving you likes versus. Yeah. Likes is monopoly
1: money and it doesn't actually mean anything and it's highly manipulated and Uh, you know, it's really a terrible metric by which to gauge interest in what you're doing. A very effective way to gauge interest into what you're doing is how many, you know, what's your, what's the floor price on your collection? Like, what are people willing to hold on to uh, as an asset so that they still have equity in in your creative ecosystem? Um, And that's a much better barometer of like moving the needle in terms of of your brand.
0: Well, does it, you know, when you talk floor prices, you're talking finances, you're talking economy, and a lot of times finances are kind of the exact opposite of what artists really care about. Do you think that this is going to mess with the artists' heads too much? Is the idea that everything is finan- financialized? Um, I, I
1: think that it's something that is a very important issue and needs to be talked about a lot. Um, but no, I don't think it's going to ruin art. I think that art has always depended on economics. Um, art markets only exist because there's a surplus of, uh, spe- you know, spending power in certain markets. Um, you know, does the tr- does the fact that a uh, Basquiat sells for ninety million dollars, does that discourage artists? No, I think that actually creates artists. Um, and the, the more You know we mix the financial and art worlds together the more resources there are for artists to free themselves from you know the shackles of a more corporate existence which i think is completely at odds with um the artistic lifestyle
0: yeah okay so dave i have a very challenging question for you and i feel like you're probably one of the only people that i could ask who could give me like a real answer and i'm asking this question to like really help educate people so People could always sell prints, okay? Photographers could always sell prints. It's very easy. We have all the tools to do it. The reality is a lot of the creators in our network, they weren't really making money selling prints, even though they had those direct relationships, okay? Now, all of a sudden, we've got all of our photography friends who are able to sell their NFTs for Uh, varying degrees of success, but a lot more success than just prints, okay? Outside of the novelty of NFTs, how is this sustainable if we've always had the ability to buy their artwork? A lot of people just weren't choosing to do so, or at least at the price that people are willing to spend on NFTs. And I know that's probably kind of controversial, but I think it's important because I think people are probably thinking it. Yeah, I don't think
1: it's controversial at all. I, I think that the main issue here that you know needs to be explained to people is NFTs are valued higher because they're honestly worth more than prints, and they're, they're worth more than prints for a lot of different reasons. Um, the main reason is that they're much more liquid than prints in the sense that like there's very little friction in NFT trading if I want to buy a print and then sell it, you know, a month later, um, I have to pack it up. I have to ship it. It has to be authenticated. There's this whole process uh, that uh, the physical world kind of demands that slows down the market uh, uh, tremendously. There's also limitations in space. You know, I live in New York city. My apartment is like 850 square feet. I only have enough room for like 10 pieces of art max. Right. Um, But online and my online environments, my online social spaces, there's an infinity of space for me to have art. So my capacity to collect art is much, much greater. Um, Yeah. And also, you know, NFTs are functional. NFTs are, are keys that can unlock different things and unlock experiences. They're data tokens. A print is not a data token. I don't know where that print goes after I sell it. Like if somebody gives it to somebody else, I have no record of that. With NFTs, there's an entire chain of provenance that I can use to my advantage to help me build out my community even further. For example, um, I did a drop about a year ago called Drive. There's 111 vehicles, photographs of vehicles uh, around the world that I've been shooting on iPhone for over 10 years. Now I released those tokens. The project did very well. There's a, a robust community of collectors that are, you know, some of the most incredible people I've met in my life. And I know where each one of those cars has been who has sold it, uh, where, you know, where they go, there's a, there's a complete uh, record of, of the data associated with my artwork. So when I just did my latest drop, Drip Drop, I could easily program into the contract, oh, if you hold a drive car in your wallet, you, can, you mint this project for free. So you can create these economies and pressure systems within your collector base using the art as keys that unlock new experiences and new artworks so you're rewarding the, the early believers uh, and your earliest supporters and you can re- reward them the most automatically on chain with you know no ability for that to be faked so that's a really exciting thing and and I say all of that to say that that's why NFTs command higher prices than than prints the one more thing I'll say about this is we we collect art bec- for a couple of reasons one we like looking at it um, Two, we like supporting artists, and three, we we use it to social signal. We social signal our interests. We social signal our support of certain communities and certain artists and certain people, and we social signal, you know, uh, what we what we're doing <laughs> within our communities and societies, um, because we spend, you know, most people spend more than half their waking hours online, you know, and you, we, There's a whole debate to be had whether or not that's a good thing. But it's a, we spend a ridiculous amount of time in our online social communities. So when you think about collecting anything, where are you signaling your ownership? It's largely online. People buy Rolexes so that they, they can post on their Instagram stories. You know, people buy art so that they can post it to their Twitter feeds. Um, th- this is a very important thing to realize that NFTs are an extremely legitimate way to social signal your, your patronage or your interests. And I think that's another reason why they, they can and should command higher prices than physical objects.
0: Dave, I've got the biggest, I'm trying not to curse on this podcast. I have the biggest smile on my face right now, ladies and gentlemen, this is why you have Dave Krugman talk about art, business, community, professional endeavors, because of how articulate he is that answer, Dave, like you want to talk bars? (laughs) That was pure, that was pure bars, dude. I feel like blessed that I was able to hear that directly from you. And I'm so excited for everyone else awesome, to be able man, to hear I it. I um, <laughs> So, I mean, that, that, that was dope. That was, that was a, a, a plus quality. Um, okay. Let's keep this moving. Um, we're going to move on to community. So. You know, again, going back to Dave is I've known Dave for seven years. Dave has been involved in community since before community was one of these words that everybody spoke about. We were mobbing around New York City. We were mobbing around different states, different countries, hanging out with different photographers and creators and really building like a robust network of like minded people. So community has always been there. And Dave, community has always been in your DNA what rules apply to building a web two community that also apply to building a web three community, or are there different rules that may have worked in web two that may not work in web three? Interesting
1: question. I'm going to start this by saying one thing, which is that all value is rooted in community. Um, And I would say, you know, somebody that used to work in advertising, advertising is the attempt to buy community, to purchase community. Um, Facts. And, you know, without our communities, without multiple people, you know, working towards different goals together, like there is no money, there's no value, <laughs> you know, it's like really money is just an abstraction of community favor exchange. Um, so it's really important to realize, like the, on the importance of community, especially since it becomes such a buzzword where it's like, oh, community this, community that. When we say community, we mean, it really means everything. Like we're just, we are a community creature. And that's really, really important to realize. And if you can really um, put that as your North Star, it's gonna, it's really hard to, to fail, um, as long as you have a robust community around you. Okay, so that's out of the way. In terms of community building, all of these technology layers are, are tools, they're robust tools to build community. So in Web2, the community is based around attention economies. So you have to figure out a way to incentivize people to give you their attention so that you can then go to other brands or other communities and say, hey, you can have access to my community you know, for this price or something like that. That's how people make their living on, on social media. The problem with having attention be your currency is that it's a, it's a zero sum game, meaning people have limited attention and the more that they're paying attention to me, the less they're paying attention to you. Now that puts us at odds and our incentives are not aligned anymore because you want people looking at you so you basically don't want them looking at my stuff. Um, that gets into all sorts of problems uh, in, in social media layers where people just run themselves into the ground, You know, back to this idea of the circadian content grind, just always having to, to keep up with these changing algorithms and changing interests, changing technologies. So the best way to build a community in social media is to make yourself a hub in which information flows through it. So I did, I was able to do that with Jay and Silva by hosting all these meetups that you're talking about over the years. Right? So by putting myself as a hub in this, in this ever expanding network, every new connection that is made around me helps me, you know, attention flows back to me through those network connections because I'm a hub in that network. Okay. So that, that's still yep. true for, for Web3. So, but the difference is in Web3, we actually have a, a native currency for the community, which is ETH. Now, what that means is there's different incentive, incentives in the community now. It's not just about attention anymore. Of course, you need attention to get your work out there and to get it seen, but you have so many more tools at your disposal because you have these tokens that you can use as incentives to align the interests of your communities. So I, I have a common goal with my collectors, right? So I just, I have, I think, uh, 600 holders of drip drop are out there right now. Right. And they're all invested in, in my success because they hold an asset that is equity in my creative future. So when I'm building my communities now, I'm thinking, how do I continue to generate value and, and fun and, you know, facilitate relationships and, um, you know, throw parties and bring people together in a way that is so much deeper than anything I could ever do within an attention economy. Because now we have resources, we're we're better funded, and these uh, tokens that people hold are actual equity in everything I'm building. So it aligns the incentives of the community in a way that is much, much more healthy than um, just having that attention economy
0: layer. And I want to dive even more into the community building. We've got IRL and we've got digital community building. A lot of people think that you just need social to build community. If there's one person who would challenge that, it is probably Dave. Can you tell us sort of why you believe IRL community building is so important? 100%, yeah. So
1: I actually said this at Christie's um, two days ago on my panel. Uh, I said that social media is like concrete um, and in real life experiences are like the rebar that reinforces it. It's like the iron at the center of it. And, and that's really important because it's very easy to follow and unfollow people. And, you know, maybe you get bored of someone's complaining on Twitter and you mute them or whatever. Once you meet up with somebody and you share like the same physical space, you make eye contact, you, you hug, you, you know, it really, really reinforces the online relationship to the point where it's a lot harder to break that bond. Um, so these two things are all part of the same ecosystem. The online relationships and the in real life relationships are intertwined inexorably. Um, whether you met somebody in real life and then you follow them online or you followed somebody online and then you met them in real life, the, these two things are um, inextractable from each other now. That's just how our society has you know, evolved. So they feed each other and they're both necessary. And to think that you can sit in front of your computer and have your entire community be online and you know that's it and that's enough that's just a ridiculous thing to think um so as we fall more and more into these digital layers and spend more and more time on our phones we it's we simply must uh counterbalance that uh with real physical experiences after all we are a a social species we we need to be in each other's presence uh, we need the physicality, we need all the senses to be engaged in order to build true uh, communities and true uh, long-lasting and strong relationships with each other.
0: So Dave, let's talk about uh, what you've got going on now. Let's talk about Drip Drop and before going into, well first off, let's let's do that. Let's start off with what is Drip Drop and then I want to take a step back and, and learn a little bit more about the the partners that you work with to bring it to life.
1: Yeah, sure. So drip drop is a photography NFT collection of one thousand one hundred and eleven pictures of puddles in Times Square uh, during rainstorms. So what this does is this creates a super um, abstract body of work that you know is is to me very very beautiful and uh, you know a metaphor for the interconnectedness of everything and. Um, how all of our actions are like ripples on the surface of water like they're all rippling out and affecting each other so it, this was my way to build a you know an affordable entry point into my ecosystem of art as my other projects floor prices have stayed very very high um, uh, you know I fe- once I felt like there was enough demand to welcome a thousand new potential collectors into my ecosystem, uh, I felt comfortable releasing releasing this body of work. Now, the interesting thing about this body of work is we also had um, a PhD machine vision data scientist create an algorithm that scans every single picture and counts every single drop. It, it counts the color distribution, it counts the distribution of shadow and light, and it puts all those properties into the metadata of the of the uh, NFT, and that creates this emergent rarity system, kind of deconstructing and decoding the, the laws of physics um, and this kind of emergent beauty of, of the universe unwinding. So that's really, really fun. And to, to bring this to life, we worked with an incredible company called Transient Labs. Uh, they, Yeah, so Transient Labs is these two um, ex-NASA uh, aeronautical engineers, um, Ben and Marco. Uh, they founded this company, um, uh, I'm not sure how long ago, but relatively recently this year or last year. And they're, they're just incredibly deeply creative coders. And they, uh, you know, frankly, I just think they're the best in the business. So, you know, I was able to work with their team. They made this very, very easy. I came to them with these insane ideas and they were just like, yeah, okay, that works. And,
0: uh, it was really buttoned up and I I can't uh, say enough good things about, about that experience. That's so awesome. And you know, one quick note I want to say is you mentioned like your, your overarching ecosystem that you have, which is your one of one pieces. You've also got drive and how a lot of those floor prices are relatively high and you waited until you had more people that could enter into your community that could uh get a piece at a more affordable price something that i would highly recommend everyone do is go to dave's twitter when you get the chance i believe it's just dave underscore krugman and check out his ring theory And so Dave has this thesis on how to think about building collections, community capital, and like these new ecosystems of creativity and culture. And this is finding different ways to bring collectors into your ecosystem without necessarily like diluting your brand. So I just wanted to like make sure I plug that because it's very interesting that he came up with that and he put together like this really interesting PowerPoint that he just shared during his Christie's talk. And so highly recommend that everyone take a look at that.
1: Thank you. Yeah. So basically, the the short version of that is, I think of my community as like concentric circles. Um, you know, you have your core, like inner circle of of your oldest supporters, and then as you want to grow your community, you can just keep adding rings to the outside of that. And and basically, my thesis is, if you if you always reward the the rings as you the inner rings as you make outer rings, uh, it's a really strong way to build a value flow that all the circles kind of feed each other. in these really, um, positive some games
0: and Dave, how do you make sure you're not diluting?
1: I think you just have to look at, you know, the interest and demand in your work. You know, if I put out a collection, so Dr- drive was 111 pieces. It's sold out instantaneously. The floor is still at five ETH after a year. You know, I can look at that and say, well, if, if none of these people are willing to sell for less than five ETH, um, it must mean that there's enough demand for my content that I can expand this a bit. So, yeah, so basically, you know, I, I noticed over the course of the year that there is a lot of people kind of DMing me and, and commenting on on my Twitter, being like, hey, like, are you dropping anything soon? Or every drop I did for the past year got instantly gobbled up and is is way above the floor. So that shows me that there's there's still interest out there. If I wasn't having that level of attention and success, I'd be much more reluctant to put out a project of this of this size. So, you know, the the goal is you never really want stuff sitting around on the primary market for very long. Because that that shows people that there's too much supply for the demand. And then that becomes a self, you know, a self-fulfilling prophecy where people like, oh, Oh, like, you know, this thing didn't sell out. That means there's nobody interested in the secondary market. And then there's a scramble to get out of the project because people don't want to lose any money. Now, for example, if I did drip drop and I sold 950 of a thousand and there's still 50 on the primary market, nobody's buying the secondary market. But because we were able to sell it out um, and you know make sure that none are available, now we've done almost 200 ETH of secondary trading volume because People realize that there's an extreme demand for this project and they are trying to you know, get as many as possible so that they can help, you know, help uh, control the supply. And so it's really, really been an interesting phenomenon to see the difference between, you know, selling 999 pieces out of 1000 and selling 1000 pieces out of 1000. It, it can p- completely change your market.
0: I love it. And and I'm a holder of Drip Drop. We will not talk about floor prices right now, but it is doing quite well (laughs) at the moment. Uh, Not that I I really give a shit because it's not going to leave my wallet right now, but congrats on that. It's very exciting. Thank you. Yeah, it's been an exciting week for sure. So Dave, let's do this. I want to talk a little bit about this drip super cluster auction that you had going on, and then we can just talk a little bit about the future and, and we can wrap it up.
1: So yeah, so the drip super cluster is a 64,000 pixel, uh, on the long edge. JPEG, uh, that comprises almost the entirety of drip drop. So every one of the puddles in a one giant randomized collage. And the brilliant minds at Transient Labs came up with a, a new type of smart contract. Now, and this is actually the first iteration of this the contract it being used, uh, which I'm really, really proud to say. Um, so we auctioned this off. It went to Alpha Trilogy, who's an incredible supporter of, of me and, and, and of photography and NFTs in general. Uh, and that sold for 12.69 ETH. Now, the the cool thing about this contract is that the collector whoever holds it in their wallet can call a function in the contract that burns the one of one and immediately replaces it with 111 editions so what that means is it destroys the original art but it replaces it with an edition of the same art and then that collector will have instead of one piece of art they have 111 pieces of art and they can go off and sell those if they want and they could maybe recoup their initial investment maybe they can 2x their initial investment depending on the market the market's demand for the the shattered pieces of this of this artwork now what's really cool about this is that it also maintain the contract also maintains the original royalty structure of the one of one so what that means is that if this if this collector goes out and sells all these additions and then there's a robust secondary market on that group of additions I'm still getting automatically whenever there's a sale, I'm still getting 10% of all the revenue for the rest of you know, the life of the blockchain flowing automatically into my wallet. So the, the collector has the opportunity not only to recoup their costs or, or make a nice gain, but also to you know, change my life in, in the sense that if they can create interest in that collection, I can have passive income off this for the rest of my life.
0: Okay, Dave, last question that I have on drip drop and then let's go to the future. This is probably one of the most important because it comes down to education. What would you have done differently that could serve as advice to those listening and wanting to mint their own collection?
1: I mean, I'm not going to lie, dude, like this I this went so well. It's hard to like I'm like I wouldn't change a thing, man. It was like it was really great. I think maybe a little bit more marketing and communication around the auctions. Um, a lot of the auctions, so there's a, the first 11 tokens, one through 11 are the rarest drips in the whole collection. Um, and you know, the fir- the auction Grail 11, I did them in daily auctions for like uh, like two weeks. Um, Grail 11 uh, went for like 0. 0.7 ETH or something, right? Which is below the floor now, mm. right? So I'm happy that that person had early faith and got a good steal, but I think if I educated the community a bit more about my plans and, and and you know that that I felt this drop was going to be very successful, I think we could have gotten much higher on the
0: auctions. Okay, that makes sense. And you know what's really interesting is to me that's product marketing, and I actually find that product marketing as a whole across the NFT landscape is lacking especially when you do have these different auction mechanisms, burning mechanisms, Uh, a lot of people get a little lost in the sauce. And so I do think we are going to, or hopefully start seeing better product marketing, whether it's at the collection level or whether it's at startups that are are funded or bootstrapped, etc. Dave, let's wrap this up a little bit. What is next for Dave Krugman?
1: Uh, I'm working on it. You know, I'm always working on projects. I have a bunch of really, really cool ideas coming down the pipeline. Um, We're also creating a structure for drip drop where people can claim prints, which I'm really excited about. It's going to be really fire. just just working on the technology behind that right now. Um, Always working away at all ships and and trying to build communities. We're throwing a party this Sunday. If you're around, please come. yeah. Um, yeah. Just, just continuing on this path I'm on. I'm, I'm having a really good time, and I'm, I'm very encouraged by the direction that uh, technology is taking us as artists.
0: And you know, before we hopped on this call, I asked you like, is there anything that you explicitly want me to share, shout out, ask? And you were like, Nah, dude. Like, let's just do our thing. I just want to ask you one more time. Like, is there anything else that you would like to add?
1: Um, yeah. i I'll, I'll just say that there's never been a better time to be a creative person. Um, technology has unlocked uh, an infinity of opportunity for people like us. Um, every single screen is an infinitely refreshing, you know, space for your art. Um, and you know, if people tell you that, oh, you know, it's it's too risky, don't be an artist. You know, everything's risky. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's there is a lot of room for for creative people in this world, and every day there's more. So if you're somebody out there listening that that really feels pulled and, and compelled and drawn to creativity. I'm not saying it's going to be an easy ride, but if if it's something you think is worth the struggle, then I would encourage you to not ignore that that fire that burns within.
0: My you. My man, this is awesome. Let's wrap it up. And uh, where can we find you online?
1: Yeah, so I'm just Dave Krugman everywhere. Um, so on Instagram, I'm Dave.Krugman. On Twitter, I'm Dave underscore Krugman. Uh, and that's pretty much gonna take you everywhere you need to go on my Twitter There's also a link to a link tree which has all my collections and, and everything like that
0: And I'm gonna plug I'm gonna plug all ships all ships.co. It's Dave's creative community. He's got podcasts He's got articles. He's got resources He's got everything if you're creative and you want to get tapped into a different community all ships is where it's at uh, Dave, you're the man. It has been a pleasure building our relationship together. I'm so happy for you, and I really appreciate you hopping onto the podcast. Hell yeah, man. Thank
1: you so much for having me. I really appreciate, appreciate the opportunity to talk through all these things with you. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm really excited uh, for, for your adventure with this podcast as
0: well, and, and I can't wait till this comes out so we can share it with the world. That's it, everyone. Hope you enjoyed. Hit that subscribe button, and we'll see you next time.